Welcome to the Backlog Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin, and on today's episode, uh, we will be talking about the 1985 Vision and Scarlet Witch Maxi series. And with me today, I have my co-host, uh, Chris, from the Because Why Not podcast. How's it going, Chris? I'm doing all right. Greetings and salutations, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, it's good, to have, it's good to have you. I know we've been discussing doing podcasts and doing, like, collaborations here, so it's good to have you on, finally. So Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so um, before we get into our topic of the show, I just wanted to really quickly catch up with you, uh, see what you've been up to. Um, is there, like, what kind of comic books, TV shows, or anything that you've been want to shout out right now? Ooh, well, well, I, you know, I did this with The Mandalorian, so I thought I was going to be able to do it with um, WandaVision, where I just kind of wait to the end of the series and kind of binge it all in one day. But the spoilers for this one that were out there were so high, so... I decided to like, I watched episode one through six, the day six came out. And, and now I'm just going to watch them as they come out. So that's my plan. So that's what I've been watching in regards to that. In yeah, I know it's super, it's super hard to, oh, uh, dude, to dude, avoid it's... anything, especially if you want to be on social media whatsoever. You can't even, I try yeah, to can't... mute, <laughs> I try to mute a couple words and they don't, didn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work at all. Like, like we have a couple friends, like mutual friends, who who are very judicious in using the mute button on Twitter and stuff. But yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work. And just uh, websites I know are the worst in regards yeah. to it. Is Screen Rant? Screen um, Rant is the worst in regards to posting spoilers because they yeah, don't do the three day grace period like like Nerdist, our IGN and stuff. They do yeah, like a three day like- wait grace period at least till Monday. Just yeah, like CBR is also bad at that too. Yeah, and I mean, comic book. It's like I get it. You're out there for the clicks, but you gotta give you gotta give people the the chance to you know watch it. Like watch we don't it. we don't all stay up till midnight to watch the episodes. You know, and I and like I live in the West Coast, so it's like yeah. I, I wait even longer than some of the East Coast cats who get to watch it direct, directly at midnight. I'm just like, oh. But I'm usually working, so because I work nights myself. Oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, but, same, same here. We're West Coast kids. Yeah, as opposed as to comics. What am I reading right now? I I I I was a I was a consummate comic book buyer, maybe between the years of like up until like 2009 and so like that. Mm-hmm. But I stopped reading for a while, and I stopped buying just because money in comics mm-hmm. can be expensive. But now, in the last month and a half, I want to say, I got Marvel Unlimited, and I've had DC uh, Universe when it first started, and now I have DC Infinite. So I've been, I kind of put DC on hold right now, but I'm currently reading a lot of Marvel stuff right now. Yeah. So I'm trying to catch up right now. I just got up to War of the Realms. Oh, nice. That, yeah, so uh, that's where I am. So I'm in early, was that 2019? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like so, 2000, yeah, 2018, 2019 yeah. time period, yeah. So you've read all of uh, uh, Jason Aaron's Thor run up to that I point? See, I, I uh, What I've been reading in regards to Marvel is both Spider-Mans. So okay. Miles and, and, and Peter. And Peter. I, I read Avengers and Champions. Um, I was reading the Iron Man with Riri Williams, but then it switched back to Tony. So I just keep reading Champions in regards to that. Yeah. And I will read all the major events and then whatever tie-ins with whatever I see is an interest to me. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So, so no, I, I, gotta, I, I am going to start reading Fantastic Four too. Oh, Nice. Yeah, because I mean it's Fantastic Four. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> There's some good runs in there, and I know that in terms of like if you're gonna be you're up to War Realms, I do suggest trying to read like Jason Aaron's run um, leading up to that, just because everything's built around it. The, for that, uh, oh, with like the yeah, yeah, because it's it's basically a Thor event, but it is almost like their dark their their crisis on Infinite Earths with how they deal with the universe. So, mm-hmm. um, I'll I'll be interested. I won't spoil spoil it because you're going to read it, but yeah, I'm, I'll be interested that. to see. I'll, I'll, I'm interested to see what you think of, of that, that event compared to others. Maybe I can come back on late and we can t- discuss that. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, awesome. Awesome. What about well, you? What are you, what, what's, what's currently in your, your, your realm and wheelhouse? Yeah. So um, in terms of comic books, I've been mostly just sticking to like actually been reading some current stuff of like DC, uh, like their, um, 
the future state stuff is for the most part. I, I've, I know I've mentioned it in a couple of podcasts before, but and they just finished today, like today as we're recording this podcast on the 23rd. Um, so they just finished all the rest of their future state. I think this is last week of release before they start Infinite Frontier. So I've, I got, I got really into um, future state. Like I think uh, just a couple of days ago, I decided I just, I was already buying all the Batman stuff and Wonder Woman and Justice League. Mm-hmm. So I just decided to dip into the Superman stuff because I think that was the only thing that I didn't um, wasn't reading initially. But I honestly got very excited for the most part when it comes to Future State that almost everything caught my eye except for a couple of things like Teen Titans and Flash were the only really things that disappointed me because <laughs> yeah. So the Flash, if, if yeah, two doesn't doesn't. Uh... Give <laughs> yeah i think uh what the problem with the flash i'm not going to spoil too much of it because it just came out so i want people to read it but um with the flash and teen titans specifically stored there they're, they were like the only ones that really were connected outside of batman where they actually told like almost an event style within their own comic books so they were very tied into each other mm-hmm. and i just didn't dig the story that they were telling because they also involved but i think the shazam and black adam stories for future mm-hmm. state so it was all this connected stuff, but they didn't really tell you initially when it came out. So uh, yeah, I, I, when we start talking about uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch, I, yeah. I, I had an issue in regards to that to this book, but we'll get yeah. into that. Later. Yeah, yeah. So so that's always the weird thing with comic books too, and like we're, we'll talk about it here in a little bit. It's like they don't really tell you <laughs> when stuff is connected like that. They'll just no. they'll con- t- they'll tell you after the fact. So. That was like one of the things and so like the way that they they did it i didn't like it but in terms of like the stuff i did love i did really enjoy all the batman related stuff anything that was going on in gotham city was it looked really cool and yeah I, when i can finally get to that in six months yeah <laughs> yeah no so for that's sure how I that's, I am that, on, that's how that's how far dc infinite is it's yeah i know yeah hopefully they change that but um and make it sooner but i know in terms of the, the stuff that i really recommend whenever it does come out is the bat anything that the, has to do with the batman family i re- highly recommend reading that because that was probably the most interesting stuff in future state the wonder woman like with the i think honestly like the new wonder woman yara floor her story was the most interesting like uh-huh. diana diana's story was okay in future state but yara floor like I, i'm really excited to w- see what they do with with her character here coming up and then like what now they, they get back to the regular universe and see how mm-hmm. they introduce her in there um That's overall awesome. I, yeah overall i thought it was a good reset and the entire vibe that i got from future state as a whole was outside of the stuff that i didn't like was it felt like i was reading comic books that were based on batman beyond almost is what okay. i tell people i love that show yeah I, so i watch i do a rewatch of that at least maybe yeah. once or twice a year and, and yeah, and the reason why I say that too is because again, obviously it takes place in the future and they're very vague in terms of what time in the future, kind of like Batman Beyond where I think uh-huh. what uh, Bruce Tim has always said that Batman Beyond takes place like 20 years whatever right now is in terms of Batman Beyond. Um, and that's very much like future state. They just say, they don't really say what year or whatever they might say, like a couple of might mention, oh, this takes place five years from now or whatever, but they don't say a year, which I think, which I was like good and bad because some stuff like it gets confusing when certain events take place, but convoluted, yeah. yeah, but when it comes to like overall, like the tone of it, I really enjoyed because it, it reminded me a lot of Batman Beyond where you could just jump into the com- a lot of the comics, not have to worry about too much continuity. They're, they obviously reference stuff, but it, is not heavily reliant on like uh-huh. DC's 80 year history or whatever. So, so it's self-contained, but with little yeah. tidbits. Yeah, for, for the most part, like the only ones that aren't too self-contained, but because they do the most referencing is the Batman family stuff. But for the most part, they they try their best to do self-contained, which I really appreciate. Even the backup stories that they do, like in a couple of the series, they do backup stories for other characters like Red Hood, uh-huh. the Batgirls and stuff, and other Wonder, Wonder Woman characters and Superman characters. Mm-hmm. um they all the stories are for the most part you could just read them and they're and i almost say the backup some of the backup stories are are better than the main story sometimes like sometimes I'm, yeah yeah like i think the one that stood out for me was like red hood and new uh red hood story in in the the dark detective and then uh the nubia story in in mortal wonder woman like mm-hmm. because you with nubia especially like they she's another wonder woman as well so they it's very cool to see what the, what her, her version of wonder woman is so um but yeah and you could catch a lot of my reviews on on the comic book revolution for that stuff of how i covered i go into depth so if you want some spoilers it's there but um alert. 
<laughs> so, but I don't, I really want to try, I'm doing my best to avoid uh, going into details about it. Cause I know you, especially you're going to read it. So yeah. I don't, it's, it's I don't hard to... sometimes when, when, yeah. when, you, when you're passionate about something, not to like, Oh, I want to talk yeah. about this right now. <laughs> Yeah, so so hopefully, hopefully I was vague enough, but uh, uh, but no, yeah, you're, you're you're good. I'm still gonna <laughs> I'm still gonna read it. So yeah, for, <laughs> and then but, outside of uh, outside of that, I've started playing. Like I haven't really watched anything. I did finish the Tiger documentary that was on uh, on HBO Max, The Tiger Woods, which is interesting for what today what happened today. Yeah, but the accident he's in, yeah, he two broken legs. Yeah. yeah, but but it was very. Uh, I mentioned this in a previous podcast, uh, last week's podcast. Uh, it was just very interesting to see. Uh, I do want people to watch it, but it's interesting to see the Tiger Woods documentary compared to like the Last Stand. It was Michael Jordan's documentary and mm-hmm. how the two different approaches that they that like HBO takes compared to ESPN in terms of covering these legendary athletes that are like the gods here. Like this, is how like we see them as like these top tier athletes that no one could touch. And it's very interesting how each each company kind of approached those uh, covering those athletes because. Yeah. Tiger Woods, you could kind of the Tiger Woods one. You could tell that he didn't have creative control compared to Michael Jordan. Yeah. No. So that's that's where I wasn't sure if you have you watched the Tiger Woods. No, but it's on my list. Okay. I mean, they have there's so much content on HBO. Oh, yeah. Like now, right now, I'm also watching uh, Static Shock. Oh yes, like, yes, yes, yes. And and that show is great. Uh-huh. Um, you can <laughs> like I, I'm a I'm a trivia I'm a trivia whore. So mm-hmm. once I see an episode, I like go to Internet Movie Database <laughs> and then look at the trivia. And it's just the the reviews people give it are insane. There's like there's nothing over like a six on there. Oh, so I think really? People, yeah, I think it's 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 the I think it's the black culture thing where people uh-huh. Tyler Perry gets the same thing where people don't even watch his movies mm-hmm. and just go rate it one or zero mm-hmm. or something like that. They just down they downvote it to use a Reddit term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Without, I, even, I, without even looking at it or consuming the product. I'm very surprised because I know, like, for myself, I lo- like, Static Shock was my introduction to anything Dwayne McDuffie, like, in terms of his stuff. And, like, I remember I loved it. And I was, like, I didn't even know he was not a DC character before that show. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until I, I got into it because that, that show made me love, like, Static Shock. So it's very surprising oh, no. to hear that, that like, there was some, some hate on that. It was, yeah, but I, the individual episodes get downvoted. But the actual show is like, it's like, seven and a half. I'm just like, so yeah. where is the what is disconnect? Going on here? Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's like the video game thing of like anything gets downvoted if like there's yeah. like enough crowd. But yeah, it's I, I know I, I just finished up the Justice League. Uh, the other thing I've been watching is the Justice League cartoon and I just finished up the second season. Yeah, the regular like and I'm getting to Unlimited next. Um, I Dude, think that's, that's just the so thing. Good. That's the thing that so I watched good. it back in. So I just got to the um, the ending, and it was very cool. Um, and this last thing I'll mention, but it's very very cool overall how they just balance out the team and like build up the entire show where you really don't get to see the team together until the very like mm-hmm. the, the beginning of the series and the first like when they all meet up, and then throughout the series like a couple characters are missing in certain episodes and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then you see when you see the team all together and like those adventures, especially like the season finale for the second season that goes into Unlimited. Um, it's very cool to just see that, and it's just like they capture hype so well in that show. It's like yeah, that's the, it, war, the war thing, right? The, yeah, the the Thanagar. Yeah, okay. Like yeah, when, I was when like, I'm trying to remember, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah like, when, uh, when, when the focus on uh on like Hawkgirl and like why she yeah. came came to Shira. Earth. Yeah. So, and I just think they just do such a good job of like, even though ba- like obviously there's so much attention to Batman in that show, I mean, they do such yeah. a they do such a good job where like I lo- I, I forgot how much I love John Stewart on the show. He's such a great character. He's not, like, he, well, Kyle Rayner's technically my yeah. Kyle Rayner was my first Green Lantern when I started reading comics. He was a Green Lantern. And that was the Green Lantern, followed closely by John Stewart. Yeah, I, yeah, I, mean, I think we're the same same boat. But this show just reminds me of how awesome they do uh, uh, with John Stewart's character and presenting him as the leader of the team, really, mm-hmm. uh, from the get go, because of his military, like emphasizing his military background and and different things, like in his time in the Green Lantern Corps of why he would be the leader, especially in the, like the first couple seasons. And then they, I, like the other character, I really enjoyed her arc was Wonder Woman, because they really do a good job in at least the first two seasons of like slowly building her up to her trinity level of like joining batman and superman of like they don't automatically put her position her there they very much treat her as the new character as the newbie on the team mm-hmm. and they slowly build her up that way so that you get to learn it because um with wonder women you don't like 
even though she was a part of the Trinity at that point with the comic book, she was such out of the spotlight in terms of like the mainstream that mm-hmm. this, this show kind of reintroduces it, it into the mainstream. So they, I thought they did a good job with, in terms of that stuff. We can talk about that for hours. Yeah, no, for sure. But anyways, <laughs> I don't want to waste any more time like yeah. uh, talking because I know we could do a whole podcast on the Justice League. <laughs> good. Uh, and, and Static Shock and stuff like that because that DCAU is such an awesome thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let, let, right now, let's just get into like the 1985 uh, Scarlet Witch and Vision series. Um, so this series is a 12-issue maxi series um, that is actually the second series for the uh, Vision and Scarlet Witch Uh and like I said, it took place in 1985, and it was written by um, Steve Eaglehart and with artwork from Richard Howell. Um, so for, for the most part with this series, it's during the West Coast Avengers timeline, um, and it's basically Scarlet Witch and Vision decide to build their own lives um, and kind of break off and kind of ex- explores their marriage together. Um, you do get a lot of a lot of stuff with the Avengers in this. Um, you still get that connection, but for the most part, it does focus in on on the marriage between Vision and Scarlet Witch. So, in general, what um, Chris, what did you think of this series? Um, overall, yeah, just overall. Like, start with that. Yeah, and I'll go into more detail as we get to individual issues. Yeah. But overall, I thought it was okay. You know, <laughs> I mean. For the, uh, it's 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 hard to separate how we view comics now in modern era with how they wrote comics in the seventies, eighties, and then some of the early nineties. You know, because they it's overall, I thought it was entertaining. Like towards some of them felt like drags to read, just because the 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 writing style is so much more different now than what it was then the writing style is so much more different then than what it is now. Mm-hmm. It's hard to sometimes get into it and their pacing is kind of off sometimes mm-hmm. in regards to it. And, but overall it was entertaining. There was some spots like, Oh, what's going to happen next that I really enjoyed. And, but overall I thought it was in, in, inter- different, but interesting. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of on the same boat in terms of that. Uh, I did really enjoy it overall. Um, and just kind of going back and reading this, like, Anytime I read the like the like seventies and eighties comics, especially, it's very interesting to see what the writing style is because I agree with you that the the writing style and then we're so used to the modern way of doing it that yeah. it's very almost culture shock in a way of like how they they, they write the verbs and adjectives yeah. they use yeah like, which is which is like interesting because when you go back like oh even like the two thousands of like how pe- like the characters were write, like were written even mm-hmm. in like thousands and the nineties and stuff like that it's always interesting to see what that time period was acceptable in terms of the way the people characters talk and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's always interesting going back and like, obviously, especially since I ha- I don't have much experience with like the Avengers um, compared to like stuff like X-Men and Spider-Man, which I grew up reading. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very interesting to see how they're portrayed early on in this, in the series, um, especially because Scarlet Witch and, and Vision, their relationship. I think whenever I focused in on their relationship, it was at, at its best, but it was like some of the, more looser tie-ins to and which yeah, we're going to was, like things it seemed really out of place at times yeah so it, it almost felt like it was in conflict with itself in terms of what it wanted to tackle at all times mm-hmm. there were certain things that really well to talk about here in a little bit of what stood out as like this is great but then there was stuff like eh, i don't know if you should that this should uh, should have been but, in but I, I it's it's seeing things yeah of uh of uh, seeing visions of things in the past with with eyes of the future so yeah. it's like these some of these words and storylines like would not fly nowadays. No, but that's just a different time. You know, it's it's yeah. hard to go back and be like, oh, this is terrible. When for the time being, that could have yeah. been amazing. You know. Yeah, and I think just I think maybe we could talk about the writing style first, since we've been talking about that. It's like yeah. I, I find this one especially when I I just been reading also like Chris Claremont's X Men, and it's oh. very interesting, especially with the when I get to the anything that does with the eighties is that. Um, you could kind of tell that like comic books at this time, they're moving away from how things were written with the, like the, um, the writer being the narrator of the, of, uh, of the comic book. And then moving into more of like the, the word bubbles and talking mm-hmm. then like inner monologue of like how, how to balance that out. And you, I, I saw that a lot in this comic there book. Was where, a lot of inner like, monologue. like there was inner monologue, but then there all of a sudden like Eagleheart would 
inter- like in- interject himself into like the story of like you, like where it's like him talking directly to the reader uh-huh. and but it was very rarely so it wasn't like in the 70s where it was all the time and constantly like the the um writer was interjecting itself himself as a narrator um in in place of an inner monologue so it was very it, it was almost jarring whenever that happened um because like you got just kind of ripped away from the moment a little bit yeah exactly and then like, like so the things like that you could kind of see that they're transitioning from like the 70s into what would be no, more normalized in the 90s of like the way that characters are portrayed and for me it wasn't like i read a lot of spider-man uh-huh. so he's in his mind a lot so you get a lot of the inner monologue but it's it's framed differently in modern in the way he does it now like it's in blocks as opposed to thought bubbles which is that was the only thing that was weird for me just because i'm used to reading spider-man especially the way nick spencer writes spider-man he he does a lot of uh inner monologue and everything like that yeah but it's it's yeah also what got me to and this is indicative of that era there's a lot of exposition like mm-hmm. like saying how you feel saying what you're thinking yeah, yeah, as yeah. opposed to letting the art di- show you what's happening and yeah it, I, and, and, and speaking to the point where the writer was the pusher of the narrative i think nowadays the art is more so the the pusher of the narrative yeah. except when you get to like tom king who does yeah. a lot of writing yeah like um, brian brian bendis and tom king i would yeah. say are the biggest uh yeah. biggest ones that do that brian um, azarello is another yeah. one who, who writes a lot cool guy by the way kind yeah of dude, but he's a cool <laughs> guy i've met him a few times nice uh but um, yeah i agree and it, it, that's very interesting just because i do like when it just focuses on the characters and even like the artwork because like uh in terms of like the artwork itself, the artwork is, I, I, I thought was really great. And it, it this, helps this tell, is, like yeah. it, it told a story with just the artwork alone so that you're, you're right about that. I wish like the writing would allow the, like would sometimes complement especially the art because the art is very expressive in this and and it, it takes care of the job. Like you could almost not read the dialogue and almost tell like what's going on, what characters yeah. are feeling at that moment. You'd, so it's like, Sometimes you know what? Just let like let the character sit there and let the let the reader almost just look at the character, focus on the characters, and kind of know, hey, they're they're feeling upset, they're feeling in this moment, or there's like I I think um, one thing that caught me is especially with the uh, and we'll talk about this more later is the like the Pietro crystal dine like yeah. part of this is like. I kind of wish that stuff especially was more like, oh, you don't need inner monologues on that yeah. stuff. You, if you, if you let the artwork, it's, that, that would be better storytelling. And, uh-huh. and, and so there's, there's instances like that in, throughout, throughout the series of like, let the art tell the story instead of your, the dialogue. I did like the way he wrote Pietro because that's how he wrote him is how I generally see him in my head. Mm-hmm. Not so much the way, say, he was portrayed in the X-Men movies and whatnot. Yeah. Are are the way Aaron Aaron Taylor? What what's what's his name? Who played him in the MCU? Yeah, yeah, Aaron, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Aaron Taylor Johnson. The way yeah. he wrote, he's more so in line with that. But the less jokey Pietro from like the Fox X Men. The Fox X Men, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. And the one thing I will give the series, especially like I think that first issue was a good way to like. Um, the first issue I thought told a good story for the first half of it, where it's like you almost get a full issue in the first half with Project Pegasus, um, mm-hmm. which is interesting to see Project Pegasus now that we know like it's involved with like Captain Marvel and like the MCU mm-hmm. and and uh, and and the, Scar- the WandaVision and stuff like that. It's interesting to see All these elements because I was like I didn't really I, I I forgot that they were an Avengers thing and they just brought me back to the MCU and it's just very interesting that of how I, and like i thought the first issue did a good job like the first what 14 15 pages were just a story with that of like with vision um the issues with people having like not not liking androids right at that moment and then mm-hmm. just kind of presenting that and they, i thought that's where he like the exposition really worked well because i didn't know any of that going in yeah. and they and I, I thought and i think that's the issue they ran into a lot they yeah. had to use a lot of exposition because they didn't know who was going to read what yeah. So, like nowadays, they push it down your throat. Here yeah. are the tie-ins. This is what you need to know. Yeah. Do those asterisks and footnotes at the bottom, as mm-hmm. seen in blah blah blah. They did that a lot in this too. Even, but referencing 
comics that were in here. It was weird to me. Yeah, and, and I do kind of wish it stood more on its own, especially like early on. You have, I thought it, the first issue did such a good job introducing like the Scarlet Witch and Vision in terms of where they're at in their, this point in their lives and just kind of what they're dealing with in terms of, you could tell that, oh, hey, you know what, they, they've been so involved with the Avengers at this point, that's almost their entire lives. Even their part their relationship is the Avengers focus. So you could kind of tell, hey, we want almost a break from that. We want to live on our own. We want to find out if our marriage is strong enough to be, what is it like to not be just Avengers 24 mm-hmm. seven? And I thought that setup was good. And anytime they explored that of like, hey, what is it if these were just characters they're not just superheroes. They're just characters. Let's see them together. Let's de- let them interact. And that first issue, I thought, set the stage. But then you get into the second issue, and all of a sudden, you're jumped into a crossover. I was like, yeah, it, that's, it's, I, it's, it's, it's a very weird. It, it's yeah. so weird. Like, you like do you such have a good quit the Avengers, but then you have them team up with the Avengers. Yeah. I'm like, what? I mean, although it's the West Coast Avengers, I mean, yeah. Hell, I mean, we knew what this was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I kind of, that's where the, like you, you've you been saying is that it's so weird seeing those tie-ins because I thought that the tie, like anytime it tried to tie into other, like especially whatever's going on with the Avengers at that time mm-hmm. was the weakest stuff is that, because as a reader, I'm just reading these 12 issue series. I'm just expecting these 12 issue series. I don't, I don't need... I don't want to go in thinking, oh, I got to go read these other comic yeah. books you have to use. Like, I'd rather it stay alone, stand alone because that's when this series is at its strongest. Um, yeah. But it was just, it was very weird jumping into like that second issue and you get into all of a sudden a crossover. You're like, what did I miss? Why, why, is, why am I all of a sudden put into the middle of a story? And it, the way it's done is not the best. I kind of got the tone of the cro- what the crossover was at, by the yeah. end, but it was still like, I had to do a lot of catch up as I was reading the issue. Exactly. And like I Google was my best friend sometimes while reading it just cuz I was like what's wait what? And I mean the like you said the first half of the first book definitely set up like a good story, but then the second half of the first book and then books 2 and 3, the crossovers, I'm just like this is this is weird and it very very much felt out of place and things mm. didn't really seem to matter to the overall story yeah. until you got to the last book. Yeah. And yeah. And, and and once like, I think that, so that, that's why, like, like you said, I, I totally agree is that it's just a weird shift and especially early on when you're trying to set up Vision and Scarlet Witch as a standalone stuff, it's trying to be, a, it's a, you know, going in and they promote it in the covers of this is a 12 issue series mm-hmm. and so why is it all of a sudden you're in this 12 issue series jumping into a crossover right away? There's exactly. like, you're like, I want to just read these characters. If the Avengers get involved, which they do get involved, like I think there's a, a Thanksgiving uh, issue later on in the series, which I thought was good because it brought in the Avengers. And I thought that was a good way to still keep the Avengers in their lives without having to address like, this is part of another crossover, but because it still is centered on Scarlet Witch and Vision. Um, and I thought that issue did a better job than, than mm-hmm. these early crossovers because those crossovers, you're like, they're part of another story. They're not part of this story that, that uh, Eagleheart and how are trying to tell. Um, but yeah, and then uh, what did you think of in terms of after that crossover, what do you think of like the, the getting into like the Salem witch trials and like with the- I, I, thought that was, that? I think that was, that was probably that stuff like that led to like, I thought the beginning with like Ag- Agatha Harkness and then her like burning up. The- I thought that was really good. I think that was probably my that part. The Thanksgiving and uh, yeah. their time in outer space were probably my favorite parts of the series. Yeah, but I just it's it's just it was my it's it, it's also led into my overall issue with the series is just the introducing throwaway characters. Like mm-hmm. even even though they weren't technically throwaway, because I mean if you read if you were immersed in the whole comic book universe you knew who these people were the same seven or whatnot but if you're just reading the maxi series and this is your first uh introduction into reading comics you won't know who these are i mean they do they do an okay job explaining who they are but that also takes you away from the overall story that they're trying to tell yeah and i agree with that with the salem seven i thought um that that's where I kind of wish I had more information going into the series about them because this mm-hmm. was really like for myself this was the first time I've ever read them I've never come across them in any other Marvel book that I've seen so it was very much of like I was trying to 
especially after you um with the agatha like them basically burning agatha afterwards i was just still trying to figure out what their motivation was like because one of the characters talks about their grandmother and i was like uh-huh. who's the who's the grandmother of this who, character who, who, who grandma <laughs> like <laughs> like I, I there was like stuff like that where i was like maybe if you didn't need to do that of like adding mm-hmm. that extra information if you just focused hey these characters just burnt agatha harkness and you know that she's connected to scarlet witch if you leave out a couple of these lines of like referencing continuity of like oh this character like she's getting revenge for her grandmother okay who was her grandmother and stuff like that there was little instances like that where you're like mm-hmm. okay well, i gotta think about what who, who these characters might be connected to and if you just kept it simple of like hey which, because i thought that was a super strong opening of like these characters are literally burning a character that's tied to scarlet witch mm-hmm. they're like a very super important character and and i thought that was a super strong opening for that story arc with the salem seven and they get into uh the the villain that basically is uh, in charge of that of like I thought that was just all a very interesting setup for it and just tying into Scarlet Witch being while she is a mutant she's also a magic user so it's mm-hmm. it's kind of well, all tied I mean, magic you know it's, yeah it's, it's still at that time it seems like they were trying to separate like magic from the overall I don't know it was weird it's just <laughs> like they they called it magic but then not really magic at least that's what it yeah. came well, off in my head yeah, it's, it goes back to kind of like Scarlet Witch where she's like her power. They don't always consider her magic user. I think she they've done it more and more recently, but mm-hmm. um, it's always like going back to the hex powers that she has. So they call mm-hmm. her hex um, instead of like, instead of magic. But there is the, I do like that they did brought in like Doctor Strange to still like tie her into that world. So that way, like the stuff with Salem 7, the Salem Witch Trials in general, like those imageries, I thought it was strong because again it ties it back into Scarlet Witch is part of kind of part of that Marvel world even though it's mm-hmm. like only you only really ever see it develop with Doctor Strange it's it's cool that there is those tie-ins in terms of that because mm-hmm. again it's a what I liked about the story was that it, at least it focused on Scarlet Witch and Scarlet Witch's character instead of her being like oh she's a she's Magneto's daughter or she's an Avenger no this is a story about her and then just kind of tying into her relationship and her own kind of almost insecurities of of being like a mutant and avenger at the same time okay. so and i thought that was like i thought that they, they did a good job in terms of that when it ever it was focusing on how scarlet which was uh reacting to what she was going through and what i mean in yeah i don't know where i was going with that sentence <laughs> no no worries but yeah it's yeah. um but it's overall interesting because like um, with, with with this entire series, it is it is supposed to be a focus on Scarlet Witch and Vision's uh, relationship uh, for the most part, and kind of it's almost like they almost they have a taboo relationship, and they kind of deal with that sometimes and talk about that sometimes. But yeah. I, I feel like they had like a half step into that of like their relationship being a taboo because obviously he's a cyborg or or not cyborg but android, and her being a mutant and all that stuff and they almost kind of only dip in their waters of, of what their relationship means for the greater Marvel universe and stuff like that. But when it, it just focused in on Scarlet Witch and Vision and how they interact with each other, I did get convinced, yeah, these guys are, are in love. These guys, mm-hmm. they're, they very much are supporting. They're very strong characters individually, but they're stronger whenever they are together They su- because they support each other so they well. Support, yeah. So, and I, I thought that was a good message in terms of their relationship whenever that was the focus and not just their superhero stuff. Yeah, that was pretty good. I I did like their relationship. It seemed, it didn't seem force fed. It seemed like a legitimate relationship, you know. Yeah, and and I think that that was when the series was at its strongest. Was when that relationship was focused on, and even like, like going just going to the Thanksgiving episode. Whenever it came to the character relationships themselves, like when Magneto shows up at Thanksgiving, yeah. that was I was like. I, I was like, oh, wow, Magneto. I did not expect Magneto to show up because they've been avoiding her ties to the X-Men, but I was like, this is a super mm-hmm. cool surprise because then I'm getting into that family drama between Pietro, Scarlet Witch, or Wanda and Magneto at that point of like, they do not like each other and this has always kind of been their relationship. They they do not get along because of how Magneto has always treated them and, his atti- and just bringing up his attitude towards human society, which kind of Wanda and Pietro, on the other hand, have been so integrated into because of their Avengers history. And so it's very, like, I really enjoyed that they played with that dynamic and they weren't mincing words in terms of like, Magneto is an asshole in terms of oh, like, and, 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 and they don't try and, douchebag. and they don't try and present him as anything but, and I really appreciate that because they're yeah. like, sometimes you don't, you don't see that all like, but I'm glad that, 
I, I was glad that it didn't break into a fight. That was my biggest thing of like, they didn't like immediately kick, kick him out of the house. And even when he had that serious conversation with Wanda in the kitchen, I was like, mm-hmm. it didn't break down where Scarlet Witch just suddenly used her power and threw him out, like, like through a wall or whatever. It, it was still like, this was a, a father and daughter talking about their, their relationship and kind of an extension of like what, what her relationship with Vision and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. Totes. Yeah, no worries. What, what did you think of that issue and like and how Magneto was the, treated? The, I, I thought it was well done. Um, like I said, that was probably my favorite part because it was the most self-contained, best written part of the story. Um, yeah. the, however, I will say at the end, the brotherhood fight seemed out of place in the scheme of things where, when it happened. But by the end, you realize why they wrote it in. But it just seemed odd and the pacing and framing seemed kind of off with it like the the way the panels were set up but i do realize um how you view it changes the way you view the overall page by page because i i did it panel by panel because i read on my tablet okay a physical copy and i read mm. it panel by panel i had it on panel by panel view instead of mm. full view and it does mm. change the way you see the whole thing so i realized yeah. that probably changed the framing for me a little bit and kind of took me out of it in some ways. So when I went back and looked at it, I looked at, I skimmed through it um, in full view and it did kind of change the way I looked at it. Yeah, which is always the interesting thing of like re- reading and like, I think we're both digital readers at this point yeah. in our lives. Like, but going I, I back, just, like sometimes you, like, cause I do that sometimes too, where, where comic books, I'll just read it, the digital view, like the guided, like the, what is it? Guided view guided that they view, have. Yeah. Um, but then it, it's, like interesting to see how what your perspective is when you're looking at it that way compared to when you're looking at it as the full page and it kind of does make me actually that's that's when i ever i do that it, it makes me appreciate the artwork more because you uh-huh. could kind of tell like the artwork the details. Does t- the, the details tell more of the story when when you're compared to like when you're just doing a panel by panel or section by section the story is very like almost takes a different tone and that almost makes me appreciate it like evil um not evil heart, but uh, how's artwork even more because there's yeah. so much storytelling in the artwork. Like we, you can mentioned. tell, his his artwork is him and the group of artists that were during this time were the bridge between 40s, 50s, and 60s art. Yeah, to the art we have now, where the the bodies are more defined as like mm. muscular and whatnot, as opposed to just seeming kind of wibbly wobbly. If yeah, 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 yeah. And they they look like human beings, or they look like creatures, or whatnot. Yeah. where they it seemed more defined and shaded and whatnot as opposed to yeah. like like i tried to read like like some of the older or the original like spider-man stuff like that mm-hmm. it's it's hard for me sometimes to get into things if the art's off like mm-hmm. if i can't get into the art it's hard for me to care about what the story is yeah no i i totally agree it's it's like and that, that that's where it does come up where you're like sometimes you do want especially when it's such a great artwork like here that you do want the artwork to tell because you appreciate it much more when the, there is that detail and you could tell the art the artists are putting in so much detail and mm-hmm. they were just so much more used to the modern modern day compared to like the more classic mar- Marvel of the when Spider-Man and them were being created. Um, but but it's re- very interesting just going going into that because I think Hal does such a good job in terms of just making the expressions of the like Magneto and and Wanda and Pietro in those scenes, you could tell like when they get pissed off, when you, they get yeah, or, or when they're getting very emotional. Expressions very well, and so it's very well. And even like going back to like Scarlet or like uh, Wanda and Vision's uh, relationship, he does such a good job making their expressions match kind of what that scene is like when they have the one scene in the bedroom in one of the issues. You, you could kind of tell, oh hey, this is a quiet moment. They're very much in love. This is just what their regular like a regular couple would do, like how, mm-hmm. how they would hang out. And it's very cool to see those, those like silent moments, even though it's not silent because there's dialogue. But in terms of just looking at the artwork itself, you could kind of tell, you could be in that moment with them and like understand just having been in relationships, what that is like. And that that is how kind of a couple would interact with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, in terms of that, like what did you think of like just thinking with uh, Wanda and Vision's uh, relationship, what did you think of Wanda turning out to be pregnant during this time? Uh, you know, it was it, it was interesting because it's like I said, viewing things in the past with eyes of the future. It mm-hmm. seemed like her the, the reaction to the pregnancy seemed very outdated, but it's for that time, that's normal how it would be, you know? It's... Uh, the whole 
the way Vision reacted by like falling on the ground. I mean, that happens. Yeah. <coughs> Sorry. Um, no, you're fine. But I, I, I don't know. It was just, I can't put into words why it was yeah. weird to me, but it just seemed kind of maybe outdated. Just yeah. the reaction. Yeah, like and and yeah, the reaction was uh what w- was that's the stand out to me. But what stood out to me with the pregnancy more is that, like, while it it, it maintained for the rest of the series the thing of like Scarlet like Wanda's very uh, pregnant, mm-hmm. they don't. I feel like in terms of the story itself, they don't emphasize it in terms of too much of like her pregnancy. She's still like a especially when they do her go out and be superheroes, they don't like reference her being pregnant or and things mm-hmm. like that. So they almost you almost forget that she's pregnant at certain points until they bring mm-hmm. it back up. And I feel or like the pregnancy they show her as visibly pregnant. You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I feel like w- once you like they introduce the pregnancy, they there's a points in the in the series they like you you forget because that's the story the story is involved. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I get that it's very tough to to do, do that and emphasize the pregnancy. But I feel like mm-hmm. I I thought they they could do more in terms of just exploring that dynamic between the family because they they do very much like kind of introduce hey Wanda and vision are married couple and i felt like the pregnancy could have been more of an angle where it could have emphasized this conflict being about their relationship rather than their superhero lives which is like i said before is the most interesting thing about this series for me um so i kind of wish they they kind of like settled down and just like showed what what their relationship how they how a pregnancy would evolve their relationship to a point Mm -hmm. um so it's it's also interesting just because i mean it's still a mark of the time where people felt that their relationships were complete without children. Yeah. And that's not the case anymore. People don't need to have children now to feel complete in their relationship. And it's not a mark of womanhood now to have children or not. I mean, it's still, I mean, ingrained in you to reproduce. That's just biology, but uh, emotionally, it's not just a thing you have to do anymore. And it's that's interesting too, seeing things in that view back then too. It's like, oh, I want to have a baby because that's yeah. what married people do. Are that's how we continue on our legacy and whatnot. Yeah, and so that and that's like interesting again. Whenever you go back to read these comic books, it's just a time capsule of that that time period. That era, like yeah. because because now you could kind of see that even like the way Scar- uh, Scarlet Witch is portrayed now, that's not really how she's portrayed anymore. Mm-mm. um because they, they do treat her more as individuals and superheroes in general whether female or male they i think the in terms of fam- them having families uh mm-hmm. like unless the characters already have it kind of like reed richards and susan uh and, and sue storm mm-hmm. um they don't define them- themselves as like i gotta have a family I- i'm getting getting to that age which might just be to the point of like uh writers and just the, the companies don't want to explore marriages too like much yeah. and stuff like that and characters getting married kind of like we see with uh superman and lois lane and having john kent um in the in the current dc dc continuity um but it's just it is like you said it is very interesting to see that time capsule of what wanda's wanda's uh perception in terms of in terms of, of the married life and having kids compared to like the modern era yeah um but yeah, and then what did you also think? Because like, as much as this series and like uh, was a Scar- like obviously Vision and Scarlet Witch's series, you we had this like surprising subplot involving Crystal and and Pietro's relationship too in here. That, I mean, that was especially when he went off the rails later on in the books. Yeah. That it is, it, it's. I thought it was it was it was it was well done. I thought it was well done, and it, it it did come out of nowhere that Crystal was stepping out on him, and 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 that and that also came from the uh, the Thanksgiving episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanksgiving issue so ingrained with TV, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I I thought it was it was it was, it was interesting too because I didn't know the pollution thing was a thing too. Yeah that that happened to because as i know them the they they live on earth the inhumans live on earth in their little shippy thing in the in the water outside of the uh the the statue of liberty that's i like i didn't know their story prior to that you know because i mean it's i i i didn't really start reading marvel comics Mm -hmm. until a little bit before Civil War, the first okay. one. That yeah. was like the first Civil War. So that was really when I got into reading comics. I mean, I consumed 
comic book things from like the X-Men shows and stuff like that, the Spider-Man show. Mm-hmm. Um, like I knew that, but I didn't know the comic side of it really, actually really until I started, um, when I used to work at Barnes and Noble. So on my breaks, I would read like all the graphic novels and things yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Cause I mean, hell, that was what, I mean, people came in there and written, treated us like a library. So I might as well. <laughs> I, I, I'm guilty of that all the time. Hey, hey, it's whatever. <laughs> as long as you maybe buy a cup of coffee while you're doing it. You yeah, exactly. Know, give us a little bit of quiche. Yeah. But yeah. I uh, thought it was, it was, you could see the writing on the walls with Crystal and Pietro that they were not a good couple per se. Mm-hmm. And so in regards to that, it wasn't necessarily a, a, a left field turn for yeah. that, but it's, it, it was, I don't know. It was, it was okay. Yeah. No. And uh, for, for myself, I thought it was like, it was surprising when I first saw it, I was just like, Oh, why is there suddenly the subplot with uh, Crystal and Pietro? Cause like when you first see them in the Thanksgiving issue, they seem like a happy couple, which uh-huh. kind of almost speaks to like, you don't expect like even the happiest couples to have problems. And it's very interesting to see that dynamic compared to like how Wanda envisions story is almost very, a very happy um, marriage that we see develop over time. They're, they don't really have too many, like in terms of their relationship, they don't have too many conflicts, mm-hmm. but then you have this Pietro and Crystal that, uh, um, relationship where they have a kid and everything and all of a sudden crystal is cheating on him you're like why is that happening and and it and does kind of bring in some more reality because you do have those sometimes you will have relationships where there's a lot of problems you're not seeing like even as readers we're not seeing all the problems that they're having because Mm -hmm. they're obviously it's being told in other books but it, it just kind of speaks to how relationships sometimes break down and there is this thing where there's a wedge and sometimes they can't be repaired but the couple stays together because of their, maybe because they have a kid mm-hmm. or or some other or some for some other reason that they just feel like they need to stay together but then there's this temptation that happens there is this and other things may occur that one one, one of the one of them would would end up cheating on them for some reason and and it did make me want to go read and like find out why their relationship broke down the way it did and how it got to that point Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought that in terms of why it was surprising to see it happen here, it actually almost made me want to read those event whatever issues that was taking place where their marriage was how they got together and then how they had a kid and all that stuff. It made me kind of invested in their relationship and see how it progressed to that the point that we see it in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, I think that really is there anything that else that stood out to you when it came to reading uh, this series that you w- wanted to bring up? Well, a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't realize that was, uh, uh, I was doing some like research and I didn't realize that this was the first, the first introduction to glamor and illusion. I did, I thought they were just characters that were already there. And it would there, what happened with them was interesting how they were actually thieves. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, cool. But they seem so nice. Oh. <laughs> right. And, yeah. it, I mean, and it just, and it was, and there was, there, it was, there was no lead up, no nothing. It was just <laughs> like, nope, they're thieves. And you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it's very interesting because like, you're right. And you bring this up because I didn't even know that beforehand. I, I always kind of like when I was reading, I thought these were characters that just always existed. Cause like, even the way that they're written, they, they're, they seem to be like, oh, there must be other stories that these characters are involved with. And, and hearing you say that this is their first appearance was like, that, that that's interesting because like that's not how they were written they're, they're not written the way that like they're in like characters like even like the avengers or or like even the villains like with the salem seven they're written like these characters have always existed in the marvel universe they've or they've had other stories but that's very interesting to hear that they wow yeah uh, crazy right yeah it is <laughs> and they just in the way they wrote the men they're just like yep yeah, we've been here all along yeah to get smacked by a tree you know because because <laughs> that's we huh. we're, we're, and they they were residents of Leonia. It huh. was like, nope, that's their first appearance. Huh. That that's actually a very interesting approach to introducing new characters. I, yeah, will, just, I do I do want I, I wonder what the reaction was, and maybe we'll, we'll have to talk to some of our friends that are maybe have read read this about like what their reaction was for that because I I would be interested to see what this approach to introducing characters that feel like come across as being ingrained in the universe already yeah. without and they're actually new. Also, uh, another thing that stood out to me later on, I think, was book nine, maybe, mm-hmm. the, their their encounter with Enchantress. 
Oh, okay, uh-huh. They just let her go. I'm just like, that That seemed really weird to me. <laughs> it was like, nah, y- yeah, you're yeah. fine. You go, you go ahead. You go do your thing. You know, yeah. I'm just like, oh, okay. But that is a very, like, when you get into, like, oh, yeah, I'm reading a comic because, like, this villain has to still be around for, like, another yeah. an- another uh, another future story, you know, like, because they got to be a villain for it because they're probably involved in maybe a Thor story at that yeah, point or something was, like that. Uh, so, she was so, so maybe she was like the more the like it almost felt like more monster of the week when it came to her character and her like quick appearance because it's like oh you're in and out and so it's like oh yeah this is a superhero thing and we need to keep villains around which is interesting to see compare like the comparison of like how villains are treated in in comic book stories compared to like how they're treated in like the in shows or movies and especially in mm-hmm. MCU where they almost kill off every villain that they have except for Loki. Um, and so it's like interesting to get like oh, be reminded of that, especially in these type of comic books where yeah they do actually catch a villain, but they just let her go for some reason. Yeah, I'm like ah, you're fine. And yeah. then the division like complimented her, said she was beautiful and hot, basically. <laughs> like and Wanda's just there, like oh yeah, it's nice that you gave her a little pat on the ass and sent her on her way. I'm just like that's weird. Yeah, it's you're. It is very much a kind of like I'm not sure if it's like a sign of the times of the '80s or whatever, but it's just very much of like, it's the way it was done. It was super awkward. You know? yeah. It was very much like, and, and I'm looking at the pages. I'm looking at the pages right now of, of that. I'm just like, oh yeah, it does not. It does look not it. Look it. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh. oh. <laughs> and then he puts his foot in his mouth. That was funny. That was funny to me. Yeah. Uh, but. Also, uh, a couple of things that made me uncomfortable reading it um, was just like the the stuff they did in regards to race. Uh-huh. It's like I'm a black dude, so yeah. it's like the way like Grim Reaper was just hella racist, just so racist. And and but then he didn't Necra, he didn't mind because she was albino, even though she was technically black. I'm just like this is weird yeah and it's always weird like those type of things because you know you kind of see it now in like the modern days they're much more careful about how they treat even characters that are even the characters that are racist and they they are set up very specific way yeah they're written in a very specific way where here it's overt racism but Uh you're like you feel like they're not getting any consequences for it either like it's just this guy's racist and it's not not because he's a villain or anything like that. It's because or it's, it's just a sign of the times. It's yeah. like this is normal. This is normal speak of of that era. And so, well, like I said before, it's kind of a window into that time. But mm-hmm. it's also it is like especially like because I'm I'm also like Hispanic. So it's very interesting yeah. to see these type of things that really stand out. You're just like, oh, I don't know. It makes it does make you feel uncomfortable. Like just reading it. In the allegory and com- 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 comparisons with the burning of houses, and that yeah. was like, oh, that, that makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, and it's like, I mean, mind you, at the time, like the X Men and stuff were allegories to racism, bigotry, and prejudice, um, especially. Uh, in it, but it, it's still uncomfortable to read, especially nowadays, just because. Yeah, it's just it's written so overtly. And you just, I guess I'm used to more subtlety in regards to it. It's yeah. Just uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think it blase, also, in the blase way they speak about mental health and suicide, like, yeah. <laughs> Peter just pretty much said that they're like, you, you're, you're a terrible human. That's, that's why you couldn't even kill yourself in essence when he was talking mm-hmm. to the toad. I'm just yeah. like, Ugh. yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable. Um, and I think we even see it like, I think almost up to, like the last couple of years where they've gone away from like talking about mental health in that way and stuff like yeah. that. But in terms of like, just going back to the character's races, I think it speaks to also kind of like, I think one of the things that I, um, and I know I shared this link with you about Eagle Hart mentioning that he didn't want to um, touch the mutant stuff too much at this time because mm-hmm. Chris Claremont was touching on, on that. So he kind of wanted to tackle like in terms of what the like what there was Chris Claremont was tackling in terms of mutants being an allegory for racism mm-hmm. and stuff like that he wanted to still kind of deal with that because that was part of that era and and he was seeing it all around around him and like I knew I, I also need to address this because again obviously Scar- Scarlet Witch is a mutant um and then Vision is a android they, they have this relationship that is n- probably wouldn't be accepted in, in society whatsoever and so um he does introduce these characters that you still like he still tackles those type of topics but he does it more in like tackling like you said it 
this character that's super racist and well it's uncomfortable and and things like that because it does make me uncomfortable and even like you mentioned the suicide stuff and like how it's the mental health stuff but it just kind of again it just kind of the sign of times this is an 80s comic book this is how probably like if i go back and read some like x-men spider-man and avengers comic books you'll probably see this because again that's what was generally accepted at that point Mm -hmm. um again it and while so while i'm uncomfortable reading it it's just like okay that is probably how that's how all writers tackle that at this point like not even comic books probably like literature too and different things of like when we read these type of things of like it is a window of that time it'd be interesting if we could like send a comic from like a a, like a a comic book event from our Mm -hmm. time and then have someone read it from the past and yeah. just, we see how they consume it like because i be, like we can easily look back and read stuff but yeah because we we've seen the progression of the written work up until those points but i'm curious just to to see the view of like a modern comic by someone from the past just that's what I'm, I'm interested to know if like say like alan moore are like uh them they still read comics nowadays and i wonder what they think of comics yeah. i know alan moore doesn't re- it kind of really separated himself from the modern comic world just because he did not like how his movies were made yeah <clears throat> but um the movies based on his work were made i should say rather yeah, and and again, it's just kind of that, like you said, it's, it would be interesting taking it back now. Like if I did a time travel thing of like taking it, like in terms of just the comic books of like taking it to like presenting even like something like Ultimate Spider-Man to to Stan Lee when he was writing Spider-Man, yeah. see what he would think of like when he was writing Spider-Man and when he was creating it with, uh, and see what he thinks of Brian, the way Brian Bendis wrote Peter Parker's origin compared to his his version of Peter Parker. It's, it would be very interesting even like with this type of stuff too of. Uh-huh. Um, and, and but yeah it's just like i said it's probably like and it just goes back to probably that was i could only guess and just from read, reading older stuff like just specifically comic books of like that was probably just the mentality it was generally accepted at that point of this is how characters are written and and i do as, as and that's where i almost like in my comic book reading mind of just like i switch my i, I switch off like this is an 80s comic i gotta remember yeah, this is yeah, i'm reading yeah. an, i'm not reading a two like a comic book that was written in 2020 or 2021 this is 1985 so this was again almost, it is not acceptable 30 years ago yeah it, it's not acceptable to be reading it now like in terms of like me like reading these out loud i'm just like i wouldn't read this out loud <laughs> but just reading in my head i was like okay i'm thinking of it as 2021 kevin not someone that was reading this as a kid yeah. or teenager in in 1985 when, yeah where you also where you don't see the nuances of it and whatnot you're yeah. just reading it and looking at the pretty pictures sometimes you know exactly so yeah. but but yeah, I think, um, is there anything else that, that uh, stood out to you in terms of the, uh, while reading Scarlet Witch and Vision? No, uh, I thought it was, I mean, overall, the, the, well, I'll say about the way it ended. It just kind of ended. Mm-hmm. It, it, it didn't seem like when I finished 11 and I was like, where are they going with this? I thought they mm-hmm. were going to, because they didn't really show much with their, them. Like the whole thing was about her being pregnant and whatnot. But like you said, they didn't spend too much time on her. Like they didn't make the story her being pregnant until like the final couple issues yeah. of the series. And then she just, I did like the last issue where all that stuff was going on while she was pregnant. That seemed very much like a television series. Yeah. It's just like just cutting away and everything. I thought that was kind of cool, but it just kind of ended. And I was like, that. That's it, huh? Yeah, and it, it just—I think it just goes back to this whole entire comic book just feeling like a season of a show that was can- um, ended up being canceled after the first season, and then it just—you never got more. You never got anything more of it. Um, and I know that, like, you already even spoke about, like, how he—he—the one thing that he hates is that a lot of the stuff that he wrote in this series was erased, like, especially with the Scarlet Witch's pregnancy. It was mm-hmm. in, in her head and stuff like that. And he—he's spoken out about how he, he doesn't like that. That wasn't like how future writers tackled. Um, what he, what he wrote in terms of vision and uh, Wanda's story here. Um, so it's, and it just goes back to the, this does more than almost any comp that I've read. It, it does feel like that has that episodic nature of, of a, a ser- series that was canceled after a first season. It was like, mm-hmm. we had one season of it. This was the story that the writer wanted to tell. And then, and then future writers when in the Avengers or whatever series, these two characters popped up in, they're not the same characters anymore. And even the things that probably were tackled in terms of the, 
what happened in this series was rewritten and because it didn't fit what other writers wanted. Mm-hmm. But again, just going back to this series does almost feel like uh, just a season of a show. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and But it, it started off knowing it was 12 issues. So, yeah. I mean... That, uh, uh, you almost think that it, like maybe he was like Eagle Heart and uh, um, was hoping that maybe he would get another series with this and maybe this mm-hmm. led into an ongoing or another maxi series that he would get in the future so it does very much especially the ending reads in that way of like mm-hmm. this is the completion of my story hopefully Marvel will give me another crack at these two characters mm-hmm. in some form or fashion in the future yeah so but hey we see that with TV all the time where like yeah. that does not happen unfortunately something like, like shows are canceled give us more <laughs> exactly but yeah but in terms of just like staying on a tv topic um one one thing i was wondering because like we could we see a lot of elements here like with agatha and her relationship with uh with scarlet witch and then also just vision and scarlet Witch's general relationship and how that how they interact with each other is a big part of like wandavision Uh Um, even though this is not the comic book that it's based off because it's based off a lot of other stuff that's been going on like the vision yeah But is there any comics that you've been reading, especially as you've been like experiencing Marvel Unlimited specifically? Like, is there any comic book series that you kind of hope would be what inspires a future MCU series, like or like a TV series or a movie that hasn't been tackled already? I think Champions? Champions would be good for like like a, a Disney Plus show, basically okay. to get more teenagers and younger folks into comics. Um, just because I think the characters there are really cool legacy characters, mm. not legacy characters, but really uh, like um, sidekicks that are now like main characters in their own right. Yeah, and I think Miss Marvel is like the young Miss Marvel, uh, Kamala Khan. I think she's yeah. getting her own movie, so that should be. Yeah. let's see how they do that. I think Miles Morales should uh, make a live action appearance and maybe. Uh, yeah, and and Riri, Riri Williams will probably make a live action pretty soon here. Yeah, because she's a dope character. Yeah, and she's a she's an awesome character. And then you do, you kind of the MCU does need an Iron Man, and she's the perfect person to fill in that Iron Man role of like, yeah. like whether it's in Champions or Avengers itself. She's like, she's she's you know she's marked for that next character yeah. that should fill in that spot. For, and it should for be that. interesting because um, I believe Naomi, another Brian Michael Bendis creation, is getting. Yeah her own show so at one point yeah. if they do if they do the riri williams route didn't he create didn't he create yes yeah, yeah it was so part, part of his iron man two characters that he created yeah. to i mean and i mean no one writes black people like black people but he did not a, a not too yeah. shabby job yeah and i think what uh and yeah and it's very and and that, that's where credit is where credit's due because he's introduced miles morales he's introduced uh Naomi and Ironheart of like, hey, he wants to diversify and he's done a good job because we're seeing the MCU, like the MCU is straight up adapting a lot of stuff like Spider-Verse. You wouldn't have it without him creating Miles Morales. So um, so it's it, it's very interesting. And like you bringing up the champions, that would that would be a fun show. I think it would be fun, whether it's live action or cartoon. I think it would be it work. I think that great. would work better as a cartoon. Yeah, at least, because there'd be too much legwork they'd have to do to make it a live action. Unless yeah. they made it a series, or like on like a like a, sh- a short short version series, like maybe thirteen episodes or something like that. And they and they do. I'm not sure if you watched the new Spider-Man cartoon that's been on like Disney XD. Um, they do kind of have all the all those characters introduced in there yeah. already. They already have Miss Marvel. They have Miles Miles Morales is like a second lead on the show, and especially in the third season, okay. they just introduced Ironheart in this late, latest season as well. So they have almost all the characters from the Champions Run outside of like any any character related to the x-men and then also nova like uh, nova hasn't been really introduced they they touched on guardians okay. but but the, the connection there is very loose um okay but, but yeah they, uh, disney plus disney yeah it's uh, it, all three seasons are on disney plus okay. and in terms of like uh they they have miss marwander they've had uh um they have Miles Morales, obviously, and then Ironheart was just introduced in this latest season where, where they had, like, they were tackling the, like, symbiote event. They had their own symbiote okay. event in the show. So I, I think I heard that briefly in one of the many Facebook groups I'm a part of. Yeah, and I think they, and they have also had the, they've also had their uh, um, movies that are targeted more towards their teenage market of, I forget what, what the, I forget what it's called, but there's, like, these, like, uh, just movie events that they've introduced, like, I think spider gwen was in there and also mm-hmm. i think ironheart was in one of them as well um like so yeah I like her i like her universe the yeah her, her separate one yeah that's kind of cool 
and and that's kind of actually just bringing up Spider Gwen. I think that would be for me. For me, I, I would oh, yeah. I would love to see like Spider Spider Gwen uh, finally ta- be tackled and just like see what Gwen Stacy in that alternate universe, especially now that they're doing more. They they are doing alternate universe stuff. It would be fun to see her series and she, actually. I wonder if she's going to be a part of the the next Spider Man movie. Yeah, because I mean which, everybody else is right. Exactly. So, yeah, um, but I, for <laughs> Toby Maguire. Or B, I know that, like, because I don't know what they're doing animated-wise in terms of that, because they haven't really talked about what they're doing with their animated division since uh, since um, they've basically merged it with the whatever Kevin Feige is doing now. So mm-hmm. it's kind of up in limbo for, for that. But I would love to see, like, a Spider-Gwen series just, like, focus on her universe, what, what it would be like to have Gwen Stacy as the lead rather than Peter Parker, um, and just tell her origin in that way, because there, there's so much potential in that and just kind of like we, I, you've been reading the comic book too of like just seeing the Marvel universe from a different perspective and yeah. how everything how everything would be different because you have a different Captain America you have a different uh Wolverine and Shadowcat are very different and other like Marvel characters are Marvel characters are very different and it will be just a fun refreshing way of looking into like the Spider-Man's world through Spider-Man Bring new instead. people into the world with yeah. new characters but keep the legacy going as well you know exactly and it just goes back into the to like the Spider-Verse stuff because like Spider like Spider like you have Miles Morales doing stuff, you have Peter Parker. Why not give Gwen Stacy her own series? Treat her as her own individual character. Cause I think the Spider-Gwen series and even like her time in Ghost Spider now of like she she is her own character. She's not she had, she's friends with Peter and, and Miles, but it's not their series, they're she's not even involved. Yeah, yeah, they're they're not involved in her series. And I think that that would be awesome to see. Just and I'm just a Spider-Man fan in general. So I yeah, just love cool. love seeing any anything Spider-Man related. Same, <laughs> but yeah, Same. uh, but uh, thank you very much, Chris. This was awesome. This was great to find out. It's collaborate, it's it's nice, it's it's an interesting um dynamic, not being just being able to just come on and chill as opposed to being the content creator, <laughs> right? My own podcast. I'm just like, <laughs> oh, you mean I get to sit here and chill and not yeah. be the, the main guy? So yeah, no, that's kind of that's kind of dope. I enjoyed and, myself, and I'll gladly come on again. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll have a lot of plans for future episodes. I'll let uh, we'll talk about it off um, off off air. So, uh, but again, thank you very much for joining me. Is there um, where can we find you on like social media and any work that you're doing? Um, uh, you can find yeah, uh, you can find me my personal Twitter at derevelc one. That's D A R E B E L C one on Twitter on Instagram as well. Um, uh, you can find me on Twitter as well with my podcast. That's B E C U Z underscore. Actually, I don't. Wow, I'm terrible. Because why not on Twitter? Uh, uh-huh. You can also find my podcast with myself and my friend Kevin, also named Kevin. Uh, nice, nice. <laughs> um, because why not with Chris and Kevin on wherever you find your podcast? We're on pretty much everything. Awesome. Um, a lot of a lot of people find it streams better on Spotify, so you can find us on Spotify. Because why not? Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, and I'll make sure I link link out your podcast and your Twitter handle and everything on, on on our description. So you'll you'll be able to click on those if to find Chris and he has a lot of great content and you guys should listen to his podcast. And um, obviously, with the Backlog Journey podcast, you can always find us on all podcast services where I have us everywhere, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and like I've said before, if there's a place that we we're not on, just let let me know and I'll make sure I work work on getting it there. Um, and just make sure you rate and review us five stars. We will really appreciate that that as well. That helps pe- more people discover our podcast. And then you could also find me at on Twitter and Instagram at KevinL07 and on TikTok at NerdyKev. Um, and then you could also find a bunch of my reviews. Like I mentioned before, I have a lot of stuff on DC Future State right now at, at Concrete Revolution and also different events that are going on with Marvel and and just other publishers like uh, with Boom Studios and Image and stuff like that. So you could always go to uh, concretevolution.com to find my work there and but again thank you very much chris for joining me and, and i Thanks really appreciate, appreciate yeah it. And, all right everybody have a good night be kind <laughs>